0: Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. Glad you're all here. You'll probably remember last month we did our Back to Basics series. And so in about four weeks, you learned everything you ever needed to know about the science of mind in in four perfectly sized little dollops, right? Well, now you're experts, and so it's time to move on to the more advanced stuff. This month, I'm focusing in really on not the basics of science of mind, but more the intermediate course. We're using Mindy Odlin's book, What If It All Goes Right? And she starts off right where Marilyn Sprague and I left off last week with talking about the divine creative process. In fact, let me read to you her opening lines from this chapter called What If. She says, There are two words that hold within them the power to create and the power to destroy. They are two of the most powerful words in our language. We use them every single day. The words are what if... Our success or our failure depends on how we make use of the power of these two little words. To understand why these words are powerful, we begin by looking at how the world evolved into what it is today. Look around your home, your office, your community. Look around your world, from your computer to your cell phone to your hybrid automobile and your bottle of water, right down to the book that's being held in these hands, everything that has been created begins with a thought. Thoughts elicit feelings, the feelings inspire us to take action, and actions determine our reality. Typically, we then point to this reality as the basis for our next cycle of thoughts. Sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? In fact, for those of you who like uh, visual aids, I did a little diagram here. Now, you'll remember last month we talked about the Science of Mind symbol and how it was a reflection of the divine creative process. Ernest Holmes, though, really only captured the first three pieces of this. So, minor recap here. We have our thoughts and beliefs. They evoke feelings, emotions in us. The combination of our thoughts and our feelings cause us to, to have actions in the world. Really, is what the divine creative process is all about. We're co-creators with spirit. So those thoughts, those feelings, the actions that we take really determined our version of reality. It really determines how we show up and view the world in its entirety. Now, that part we're really familiar with. That's the back-to-basics part. What Ms. Odlin does, which I think is awesome, though, is she adds a little piece that I don't know that Ernest Holmes forgot it, but maybe he didn't think it was important enough to put in one of his diagrams, and that's simply that that provides the feedback then for our next set of thoughts. Makes sense, right? And let me take an illustration here just to walk you through this so that you can feel comfortable doing it on your own if you like. I know during the golden bowl ceremony, many people were interested in finding more abundance in their lives in 2019. And so we could start with thoughts and beliefs around abundance. Well, I certainly deserve to live the rich life right? I know that the universe is a universe of abundance. There's no reason I shouldn't have my share of it. We can bolster those kinds of beliefs and thoughts in our minds. That evokes a feeling. I'm feeling pretty rich. I'm feeling pretty okay. And I'm feeling pretty confident that the universe has the supply of what I would like to see more of in my life. And so I begin to take actions. I begin speaking in ways that are more prosperous. I go out and take my credit card and I go down to uh, maybe Macy's and buy some new clothes. I deserve it. There's no reason I shouldn't have some nice things. And I notice on my way back to the elevator, because I'm at the Lloyd Center, uh, that there's a furniture across the, the mall from me. And so I stop in and you know, pick out maybe $10,000 worth of uh, of new furniture and also put that on my credit card. I deserve it. Why shouldn't I have this new bedroom set, right? It's lovely. It'll look fine in my home. And then my reality is I am more, right, physically abundant in the world. I've got new clothes. I've got a lovely new bedroom set. Uh, but I also maybe have a visa bill that I have quite thought through as well as I might have. Now, the nice thing about portraying it in this cycle fashion, right, is then it's time to analyze that feedback. Did that really produce the true abundance I was seeking. Well, it brought some feelings of abundance out. When I was wearing the new clothes, I felt pretty flash. When I uh, set up the new furniture, I felt good about that. I do deserve that. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I need to add into the mix the visa bill. I'm not feeling so good about that. And so I take that back into this process. That provided really some useful feedback. I begin having thoughts now. Well, it's not just enough to be able to have things, right? I also need to be a good steward of money. I also have to have a balanced approach to what I choose to purchase in the world and make sure it's something that I really value more than other things like paying my rent, Or <laughs> right? I have to take a look at the whole picture. That feedback loop allows me to do that. Now I know that in addition to having thoughts of uh, of abundance and worthiness, I also need to have thoughts about being a good maintainer of wealth. I need to become an investor in myself and in my situation. I need to be able to be a steward of money as well as that. And so those thoughts and beliefs evoke more emotions, not only emotions of feeling rich, but also emotions of feeling stable emotions of feeling like I'm a a good steward of money. Those create different actions in the world. Maybe I take a money management class. Maybe I do some things that are now reflective of my greater expanded consciousness of money in the world, not just getting things but really valuing the things that are important to me and understanding that it's more than just stuff, that it's also the feelings. So that goes into my new reality. Now I have new patterns of buying. I still have that sense of fulfillment and that sense of, uh, of wealth. But uh, now I'm understanding that maybe having a $10,000 balance on my Visa card, not such a cool thing. So I'm making adjustments there. Makes sense? So this, I think, is a, an important addition to what we talked about last month in terms of how this divine creative process works. Okay, that was the good news because i have two flip charts (laughs) well this is the way we'd like it to work this is the way i would say that someone who is really conscious of their thinking really self-aware of this process as it evolves this is reality and this is the good news But what happens for most of us? First of all, we have the chart a little bit turned, about 45 degrees, and we change one word. I only had to change one word on the chart to reflect how things more likely work for us. So first of all, you'll notice I flipped it so that my reality is on top. Because when we have gone asleep, if you will, when we're not so conscious in the world, we tend to simply react to what's presented for us. We're not thinking proactively, necessarily, about what we want. We're reacting to what we get. We're reacting to that $10,000 Visa bill. And how am I even going to make the minimum payments on it? Right. So we start with what we perceive as our reality in the world, And that, if we're not self-aware, is simply a reinforcement of what we already thought and we believed. Here's a $10,000 Visa bill. I have no idea how I'm going to pay for it. I'm terrible with money. What a fool I was to buy this new suit. I don't really deserve it. I can't pay for it. Who do I think I am? Suddenly, those are the thoughts I'm having. They evoke feelings of what? Worthlessness? They evoke feelings of poverty? They evoke feelings of there's not enough for me, probably not for anybody? And then I take actions. Probably not good actions, right? Right? probably knee-jerk reactions. I start thinking that my life can only be successful if I cut coupons and go to the thrift stores because that's all I deserve. And that determines my reality. It's the same chart, people. (laughs) And I know that you know that. But think about the one word that's different on these two charts. Because there is one word that's different. Here, we used my reality to reinforce what I already thought was true. And that typically is our unconscious reaction when things happen. We look for our own opinion in what happened. Right? Don't we? And sometimes someone, in fact, someone close to us might even point out, where did you get that out of that? Something will happen. We'll reach a conclusion. And someone right there in the room with us will say, Larry, where did, how did A plus B equal F? It's like, no. But we will focus on reinforcing something we already believe. The one word that's different is instead of reinforcing, it's just providing feedback to us. And if we are self-aware, we can do something extraordinary right in this little segment here. But it's time for our joke. So a pair of statisticians were traveling in an airline from Los Angeles to New York. About an hour into the flight, the pilot announced that they'd lost an engine. Not to worry, she said, there are three left. However, instead of five hours, it's going to take seven hours to get to New York. A little bit later, she announced that a second engine had failed. Still had two left, but it's going to take 10 hours to get to New York. Somewhat later, the pilot came on again on the intercam. She apologized. The third engine had died. Never fear, she announced. This plane is so sophisticated it can fly on a single engine, but you guessed it, it's now going to take 18 hours before we get to New York. Well, at this point, one statistician turned to the other and said, gosh, I hope we don't lose that last engine. We'll be up here forever. (laughs) That is exactly the kind of faulty thinking that's going on here. When we allow the outsides of our lives to dictate what we believe about the world and ourselves, we come to all kinds of crazy, crazy conclusions. And I have uh, one more way of looking at this chart that's helpful. And she calls it the what-if method. She says this cycle... We can use the what-if scenario in this feedback when we're purposeful, when we're awake about what's going on, we can use what-if as a way to refine this idea of feedback. And she says, we typically do this anyway. If you think about it right now, we spend a good part of our day imagining what might happen if... Now, sometimes it's a negative cycle, isn't it? Sometimes we, if you will, worry a bit. What if this happened? How would I cope if I lost my job? What if they raised the rent in my apartment? What am I going to do if I don't get that promotion? What am I going to do if I haven't figured yet how to make the minimum payments on that 10,000 furniture bill that I did, right? We will tend to catastrophize a bit. And that's when in this feedback loop, we anticipate things getting worse. Now, the trouble with this, as you can see, is that this cycle will tend to devolve. It will tend to descend. And, uh, and of course, I don't know that we purposefully worry, do we? Now, that, now, think about that for a minute. Do we ever actually think, I'm going to spend a few moments conjuring up the worst possible picture of what could happen to me financially. I don't think we normally do that as an exercise that we're embarking upon, but I will tell you that kind of thinking, that kind of worry can be endemic. That kind of worry can cycle through our minds. And so the first part of becoming awake is to stop it, is to say, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't need to make this into a catastrophe. You know, I I did a a sermon not unlike this a couple years ago where we were talking about possibility thinking. and, And afterwards, someone, a very bright person, came up to me afterwards and said, well, Larry, I'm not thinking about the worst possible outcome. I'm just being realistic. Shouldn't I have plans for when things go wrong? Shouldn't I have puzzled through in my mind the worst thing that can happen, so that I'm prepared for it. That's not negative thinking. That's just being prepared. And you know what? If you use this chart, that person is right. If you believe that your world dictates your future, then you are actually right. The trouble with this, though, is you're saying that my reality in the future is not likely to get any better. Now, I ask you, is that being even thinking or is that pessimistic? I think it's pessimistic. Now, the person who was talking to me said, no, this is just reality. I need to be concerned with the way things are. And I'm here to tell you That is actually pessimism because it's assuming that things will never get better. It's assuming that yesterday and all of its problems may even become magnified and I will have to cope with them. So we don't want to get involved in those kind of what-if scenarios when we're using this chart. Instead, the idea is what if it all goes right? What if everything in my life that I desire, that I'm hopeful for, that I'm planning on, right? Because we know if this feeds into this process of creating our experience of the world, do we deserve anything less than using the positive, the upcycle of this? And it isn't Pollyanna-ish. It's actually how things do improve, If you look at anything on the planet that has gone through a cycle of improvement, this is how it happened. It had an initial result. The initial result provided feedback. People took the good part of the feedback and enhanced it and put it back into the cycle of life again. To do anything less than that is actually to be reducing your joy on the planet purposefully. You're giving me that deer in the headlights, look. (laughs) All right, so the rallying cry here is, what if it all goes well? What if I get the raise? What if I'm able to come up with 20 new ideas that will make me money? What if I'm so talented people will seek me out to collaborate with me? What if I get so good at this that I become world-renowned and, and actually people seek me out as a coach? This is not being a Pollyanna. This is how any good change has ever happened in the world. And this is what I want for all of you so desperately. This is what I want for all of you to see your world in its richest. Richest possibilities. So how do we get there? It's really as simple as putting a little bit of awareness right here. The rest of this cycle is the divine creative process. It just does its thing. You don't have to worry about it. But where you do need to actually focus your best conscious thought is what if things would go better. What would that look like? How would I feel about it? What actions would I take best on it? And you don't even have to make huge leaps forward either. We know that a lot of progress in the world happens a little bit at a time, a few steps forward and then uh, uh, maybe a little bit of a plateau and then a few steps more forward. That can be us ever moving forward in love in relationships, in joy, in peace, in the good lives that we deserve. Now, there's no shortcut here. It requires us to do some mental work. When we go unconscious, it turns into the other chart, and we tend to spiral down. We tend to use the evidence that surrounds us of not enough or lack as a reflection of who we are. Our thoughts start devolving, And before you know it, we're feeling poor and lonely and helpless. It's the way the down cycle works. Instead, we need to rise to the occasion and say, that's not the truth of me. Just because I see it out there does not mean I have to accept it in here. And I can ask some pertinent, uplifting, what-if questions as I formulate this next route through the cycle. What if my life is fabulous? What if I get that promotion? What if everyone that I used to view as my enemy or someone that I have trouble with, what if they simply turned around? What if I started reacting to them more positively? What if I became a better worker? What if I went back to school and became better trained? There are a million, million, million what-ifs that pertain to you specifically, half of them are on the negative side half of them are on the positive side you get to choose i want to close with a a quick uh, summary today So we learned that the dynamic process, this divine creative process that Ernest Holmes talked about last month, we learned that it has a fourth step to it, if you will, that it feeds back into our thoughts and beliefs, that the reality that we created yesterday allows us to choose new thoughts, improved thoughts, new what-if thoughts that we can carry forward into the future. We also learned that when we go asleep, when we go on autopilot, we tend to cycle down. We tend to view the outside world as creating our reality and our thoughts and our beliefs about ourselves instead of the other way around. It's like we've flipped the chart on its side. We've also learned ultimately that the only, quote, hard work we have to do is noticing what we're thinking and play what-if with it. So I, of course, close always with a prayer and some homework. Um, Can you guess what your homework is? (laughs) It's not too bad. What I simply want you to do is notice when you get into a what-if scenario. Are you cycling up or are you cycling down? Now, one way to easily spot this is if you literally go, oh my gosh, I'm worrying about something. Because anything that you would consider worry this book would say, that's the negative spiral down of what if. You know, my daughter's out late. What if she's in a car accident? What if her boyfriend isn't safe? What if, you know, the road was icy? and Right? So right from the get-go, that would, you would want to flag that. Okay, that was a negative cycle. That was a down cycle. And then I simply want you to notice how often you get in an up cycle. How often do you, say, do you say to yourself, oh my gosh, uh, you know, my, uh, my parents are coming to visit. Uh, what if it's like the nicest visit ever? What if they decide to, you know, take us out to dinner? And what if we talk about some old times that were so precious and beautiful to us? I just want you to notice how often you do the up cycle. And then next week we're going to compare some notes. The other thing I wanted to mention is this little trick that we're talking about, of putting that feedback loop into our lives. You know, one of the issues that occurs to me is, it's our own mind trying to doctor itself. Do do you sense the gotchas in that? The reason I bring that up, maybe it's time that you scheduled an appointment with your licensed practitioner. Maybe they can offer you some suggestions for your own prayer work, uh, for your own what if scenarios that simply would go over your head, it simply would be something you would never think of or notice. Sometimes having a third party, especially one trained absolutely to know the best for you, can bring out. For now, let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, and one goodness. There's only this one thing. I call it God. Call it what you will, I know that it is all. Every person, place, thing, situation, it's all simply God. And out of that abundance of God, what I know is there is joy, there is love, there is peace, there is happiness for me. It's God's intention, it's available, and I'm worthy of it. And as it is true for me, it is true for each person within the hearing of my voice, Every person has the right to the love, to the abundance, to the peace, and to the joy that is their birthright from God itself. And I know that there's a willingness on behalf of everyone here to begin noticing their thinking, to begin asking more positive what-if scenarios, to notice literally in our daily lives that it is our thinking that creates our reality, and because of this awareness, we simply improve our thinking. So for this, I give great thanks. For this, I simply let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here.